The Oklahoma City Thunder have a winning streak. Two straight games that the Thunder have won. How did they do it tonight in another comeback win, this time over the San Antonio Spurs? Who stood out? Who was the game MVP? How did they win this game? What trends have we found out both positively and negatively from this game? All of that and more coming up on Locked on Thunder, Locked on Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Aaron Chief, over at thunderousintentions.com. Rylan Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod and even email the show, LO Thunderpod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're going to dive into the Thunder game against the San Antonio Spurs, where the Thunder win their first game of the year that's not against the LA Lakers. How fun is that? Thank you for making Lock on Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day. So subscribe for free on all platforms, including the new platform of YouTube. Subscribe, like, comment, share, listen, all that fun stuff. And I thank you for doing that every single day because we're here providing you Thunder content daily on Locked on Thunder. Now, we start for this game, what we always do, with our game overview. So Gabriel Deck, who had been battling a heel contusion, was available. He is back. Uh, Trey Mann, Vet Kretschy, and Isaiah Roby, who all played for the Blue earlier on Sunday morning, were all recalled onto the Thunder bench for the nightcap as the Thunder took on the Spurs after the Blue got off to that 2-0 start, beating the Salt Lake City Stars twice. And the only player who ends up playing was Vit. Vit double-dip played in the morning and after in a nightcap, but he only plays six seconds. And so it's a fun storyline. It's a incredible feat, but Mark's touched on this, touched on this many a times now. It's really just about connecting back to the organization and back to the NBA squad more so than like, hey, can we get these guys actual tangible run in two games in one day? So they, they do a lot of evaluation with the doctors and with their coaches and things like that that go into this decision making. However, it's important to note that with the NBA rules, you cannot sit on the sidelines on the bench. You cannot dress out for games unless you've been officially recalled. So even just to have them be a part of the team, and go through the pregame stuff and to sit on the bench and be in the locker rooms and things like that, they have to be officially recalled. And that's more so what they're doing here, the formality of it, not necessarily trying to get guys to play twice in one night. But it is a benefit to the Thunder who have their you know, G League team and the NBA team playing the same city, same arena, because they can do these things. It's not like if I assign you to the G League, you're now playing in a different state or a different city. And you're not even a, you know around this organization anymore. So I think that that's really the big benefit here, not necessarily having guys play multiple days, multiple games in one day. Uh, but of course, they're all available tonight. Uh, in terms of the rotation, Tom Maldon, Vet played under 10 minutes, and then Deck, Mann, Roby, Paul Watson Jr., and Aaron Wiggins were DNP CDs. JRE starts in this game next to, of course, SGA, 
Dort, Gideon, Baisley, the core for that starting lineup. How in the world did the Thunder win this game? They are the comeback kids. They came back once again, this time from down 16. It was a messy game. It was a bad basketball game. I mean, just in terms of pure stylistically art form of basketball, it was a bad basketball game. They had five lead changes. The Thunder shot 37%. The Spurs shot 41%. From distance, the Thunder shot 28%. The Spurs shot 20%. And then the Spurs only made 66% of their free throws. The Thunder made 85% of their free throws. The Thunder lost the turnover battle 13 to 9. They lost the points in the paint 60 to 44. And then they were just dead even fast breaks and second champ points. I, I wonder if this is just kind of the style of team that Mark is going to cultivate as the head coach. And that's just something to ponder or to think about or to you know, waste your time thinking about because I'm a nerd and do this every single day and I'm always thinking about the Thunder. We're not going to get that answer for a very long time because the slow starts could be nature of being a young team. It could be nature of talent on the roster or lack thereof. It could be a, a nature of many a factors that aren't necessarily kind of the, the MO of the coach. We won't really get to know Mark's tendencies on those type of things well down the line whenever this team is fully built. And I do think that Mark is the head coach when this team is fully built and, and when, the th- when the Thunder are trying to uh, truly win basketball games. But it is an early trend here where a lot of these wins are comeback wins uh, and, and they dig themselves a hole early and then they play their best, best basketball and there's a lot that goes into that. Again, young teams typically don't play well, and you have to slow starts. And then there's not a ton of talent in the roster. And then once you get in those holes early, and once you let those other teams build their lead, and then they start to coast, well, if you've never turned off your motor, right, if you're still going 100%, and now you're going with your 100% against their 50% or their 40%, you're going to now have the upper hand, even though – at 100% speed for each team, you were not you know, in the in the lead card. You were not that upper-hand team. But now that the percentages have flipped so dramatically, you are. And it's very hard, once you've started coasting in a game, to now flip that switch back. And that's where the Lakers had trouble the last two games that they played the Thunder. That's where the Spurs had trouble tonight. And, and, and tonight was an example of just a really bad basketball game where neither team played particularly well offensively. And so you kind of throw this game out in general, but I do wonder if this is kind of going to be a trend long-term with Mark or if this is just a fluky, weird situation. Obviously, the team's not trying to be bad out of the gate. They just are having slow starts out of the gate. But will Mark-led teams be slow starters? Now, again, that's just for us nerds who think about the same way too much because we're never going to get that true answer for, uh, you know, of course, another couple of years. But the big storyline tonight and the reason the Thunder won this game no, it was not SGA, it was not Josh Giddy, it, it was not any of these other players. It was Mike Muscala, 14 minutes off the bench, three threes on four attempts, five of six from the floor, a huge and one bucket, seven for nine at the line, four rebounds, two blocks, game high in blocks, 20 points, a plus eight in this game, and a huge spark plug was Mike Muscala. Mike Muscala checked in you know, midway through the second quarter, Never looked back, was incredible the whole way, and and was the only source of offense for a long time for this Thunder team. Tip your cap to the veteran. He showed why you want these guys around. And I think that 
if you get a chance or if you care, if you want to, you should go back and listen to last night's post-game press conferences because when you're trying to find reasons why this 31-year-old center is on the thunder and why he loves this organization and why he keeps coming back even though he has a premium skill, a guy who can come off the bench and light it up from distance and can pour in some points and can help you right the ship offensively on nights where you're not playing well offensively. That's a proven hot commodity, especially at his salary, at his contract status. That's something that every contending team should want. But why Oklahoma City? Why is this his home? Why is uh, he choosing to be here? Why does this Thunder team continue to want him and, and use a roster spot on him whenever they could? Use it on a youngster that needs to prove themselves and just use it as another way to shuffle in talent uh, you know, th- that they can try to find a dominant in the rough. Why are each side married together? Tonight, after the game, you're seeing why. It's the behind-the-scenes stuff. It's how much each and every player on this roster loves and rallies around Mike Muscala. And Darius basically put it simply, looks up to Mike Muscala as a guy who's been around the block, a guy who's been in the NBA, and has sustained himself. It's so easy to get lost in the stars of the NBA because this sport is you know, lucky enough to have many of them. Right? There's a lot of sports out there where there's not stars, not even a handful. The NBA has stars everywhere. Every team has that jaw-dropping star that you cannot wait to watch, no matter how good or bad they are, the team that is. So it's easy in, in basketball, more so than other sports, to get lost in the star power. But when you're in it, when you're a player, you're looking for longevity. You know, in, in 99% of cases, you're looking for longevity and how do you stick around? How do you get that next contract? How do you get on that next team? How do you stay in the NBA and be an NBA player for a long, long time? Look who the Thunder have cycled through in just this last calendar year and look where they're at now. From playing bulk minutes at the end of last year to sometimes not in the NBA to now at the end of, the bit of a bench for their final tour in the NBA and every which way. Your career for the for the players who are not in the top 1% gone in an instant. And Mike Muscala has made this thing work. So the players love him. The players rally around and the players look up to him. And there's something to be said for having guys like that in your locker room. Him, Kenneth Williams. Maybe you're trying to cultivate a culture and, and trying to grow these young players and teach them how to be NBA players. Sure, we want to teach them how to be good at basketball. Which will teach them how to be a professional, teach them how to stay in this league, teach them how to do the right things for their bodies, for their mental mindset, for you know, pre- preparation for games, everything that goes into it. And, and so Mike Muscala has the clear respect of this locker room. Uh, and so it was nice to see him go off tonight and, and help this team win. And really, without him, they do not win this game. So that that was fun, I'm sure, for him as well to be the catalyst of a NBA win. And we'll talk about more on the other side about what this one does for the tank and SGA and Darius Baisley, but a huge hat tip to start the show with Mike Muscala. But coming up, we'll talk more about that. But first, I'm going to tell you right now, but good friends over at Price Picks. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard of Price Picks? Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love Price Picks, and you will too. Price Picks has the best NBA daily fantasy prop game on the market. Price Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players who only record a handful of minutes each game. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardages to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of the users that deposit uh, onto Prize Picks and uses my code will get a hundred percent instant deposit match up to hundred dollars. Just be sure to use the code NBA. The code NBA at Prize Picks 
get you a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. You pick from two to five players uh, and the over-under on their projected numbers, and you can win up to 10 times your entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Price picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron, combine with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Price Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. So do not hesitate. Check out pricepicks.com and use promo code NBA to go to your App Store and download the app today. Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Let's hear it now, but our good friends over at DirecTV Stream. DirecTV Stream is where you want to be. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game on your phone, another device that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sport highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. In fact, they've forgotten that you're on their account even, but you're still using it and, and, and stealing from them. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of your entertainment that you love without the hassle. And a great way is finally here to get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and everything else all in one place. It is the place to be if you want to watch live sports. And most importantly for Thunder fans, it offers Bali Sports Oklahoma. So you can finally have a streaming service without the hassle, the confusion, the clutter, or the contracts that has Bali Sports. Get your TV together, DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible devices required. Content varies by package. Thank you again for making Locked on Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We are here for you. So make sure you subscribe on all platforms for free and do that right now. We would greatly appreciate it over here at Locked on Thunder. Now I want to talk about SGA. And before we do that, let's talk about this game as a whole real quick in terms of the tank. Look, this is not um, a game that impacts the tank at all. I saw that notion around Twitter a little bit. The games that you look back on at the end of the year, and you say hurt the tank, or if you uh, don't finish where you want to finish in the NBA to get the best odds possible, it's the Lakers games. This Thunder roster was always going to be able to steal games against the Spurs. I mean, they, they were always going to be able to beat the Spurs. The Thunder roster was not a, a roster that uh, was, was going to lose out to San Antonio every single time they played. But beating the Lakers twice, that's the stretch where you could say, yeesh, end of the year, if only the Lakers held on a little bit there, it's the difference between spots five and three on Tankathon, right? So if you're heavily invested in the tank and, and everything like that, the Spurs game is not one to be up in arms about. It's a, it's a really about those two Laker games where uh, should have been gimme games, right? So if you're if you're involved in the tank, you're looking at this in the complete opposite way. If you're a contending team, this Spurs game is a gimme game in the win column. If you're a tanking team, you know, this Spurs game is, is the opposite of that. So it's the opposite with the Lakers as well. The Lakers are a game that you're hoping to lose if you're a tanking team because that's what you're supposed to do. That's your gimme loss. Whereas if you're a contending team against the Lakers, you're looking at that to steal a game. You don't want to steal games whenever you're, whenever you're a tanking team. Nonetheless, th- this is just a, a 
game. It's just an evenly matched sides. I know the Spurs don't do the tanking thing. They're just not very good. So this is kind of an evenly matched team and roster. It does not really matter. SGA, though, continued to have a winning impact in this game. Bat and night shooting, 31% from the floor, 16% from three, one of six. Goes three of three at the line, only gets the line three times, which is, of course, the difference in, in, in all of this. And a huge shout out to the Spurs young guards and, and defenders. They were awesome. Devin Vassell was awesome. This was a great defensively played Spurs matchup. They took away SGA and Popovich doubled him very well through late double teams at him very well. Popovich did a good job of taking away SGA's offense. And, and the, it's not just Popovich scheming it up. Again, I want to stress the, the importance of how good the players were because the Spurs blocked an SGA step back three. It's one thing to make him uncomfortable and make him miss a step back three, but to literally block an SGA step back three, it's hard to even comprehend because he's so long and creates so much space that to, to swat that shot is one of the hardest things to do in the NBA. Like because of the length, because of everything that goes on to that with, with SGA, but credit to SGA. He was not having a good game, you know, offensively, but he got himself going in the third quarter where it felt like he could score at will in the third quarter, nine points in that frame, as we've seen him all year long play well in the third quarter. And then he found other ways to contribute. Much as we praised Josh Giddy for this fact a couple of nights ago, it was SGA's turn to lean on his playmaking. He dishes out nine assists, only three turnovers, uh, eight rebounds, a steal, a block, 14 points, eight rebounds, nine assists. It was a, a nice game for SGA. And one that if you're a Thunder fan, again, the shooting wasn't there tonight, uh, but he found ways to continue to impact your franchise and continue to uh, propel you to a win. And that's what you want your max contract players doing. That's what you want your number one options doing. And so it was a big, big night for him. And there's that guy again, Darius Basley. Darius Basley had one of his better games tonight. And it's going to go underrated because this was not this was not the the explosive game, right? Even in a win, it wasn't explosive. Even with the comeback win, it wasn't explosive. There was no SGA logo three. There was no beef. There was no uh, necessarily great highlights from this game that are going to circle Twitter all throughout the rest of the week. Uh, it was just kind of a, a game that existed for Thunder and Spurs fans and not really much else. But Darius basically played very, very well. Only two turnovers, 11 points, four assists, a steal, a block, uh, only one foul defensively, 44% from the floor, one of one from three. Again, one of one from three. Very selective there from beyond the arc. And again, uh, 11 points as well as 11 rebounds. The massive putback dunk was incredible. But most importantly for Baisley, again, the, the putback dunk was fun. Uh, the, the percentages are fun. What was important for Darius Baisley is that this was a clean game. Uh, th there was not a single unexplainable shot. There was not an unexplicit turnover that was just awful, right? Even on his turnovers, you can see what he's trying to do, and he's not trying to do too much. He's just trying to play basketball, and, and, and the pass was Aaron, and that's going to happen, right? So, like, everything that Baisley did was calculated and had a point and was explainable. I envision, you know, going into a film room tomorrow and having to just explain every play that you're making. Baisley has an incredible alibi for each and every move he made on the floor tonight. It was very, it was very clean from Basley, and and he's lacked that at times. And he finally built on a good game, a really good game against the Lakers. Was topped with 
a solid performance. If Baisley gives you 11 and 11 on good percentages and, and doesn't make mistakes, you'll take that long-term for Baisley. Because if he's 11 for you know 11 points, 11 rebounds, doesn't make mistakes, and he does that consistently, night in and night out, and then has the random explosions of these great games, like we saw against LA a couple of times, that's the kind of ball player you want. That's the kind of basketball player that you want. You do not want what we've seen recently of here's a great game followed up by six really bad ones. And then here's a solid game. And then here's four very bad ones. And then here's an amazing game and a month worth of bad ones. You want it to level out. And if this is the leveling, a solid game, a great game, a solid, 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 solid game, 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 game. And then a great one. If that's the leveling, that's exactly what you're envisioning and and hoping for with Darius Basley. Every now and then is a great nickname for Darius Basley. Every now and then he can show you he can do this. He can show you he's a good NBA player. He can show you that he belongs in this league. He can show you that he has flashes of being a building block. And also every now and then he shows you he's, he's struggling at the NBA level. But this is a step in the right direction for Basley. He has built on one good game and made it two. Can he make it three? And, and I hate to keep moving the goalposts, but that's where he's at in his career. You've got, you've got to take this, these baby steps, and each step that you take across the living room floor with your, with your mother's hands and yours, she's got to let go at some point, and you keep moving the goalposts and keep getting closer and keep getting closer, and eventually you're walking, then you're running, then you're a functioning mobile person. Is that a good analogy? I don't know. But Baisley's getting there. He's getting there. And again, if this is going to be Baisley, you'll take that 20 times out of 20. Coming up, we'll talk about Lou Dort. We'll talk about Tim Albon, who is just not very well. Uh, Jeremiah Rupsonello, Josh Giddy, of course, were standouts in this one. And, and of course, we also have the bet of the day and the Moneyball pick of the day. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is fantastic. I love Thanksgiving all the good food, the treats, plenty of them. But maybe you want a yummy dessert that isn't full of calories and sugar. It's the perfect time for Built Bars. Built Bar is the new holiday dessert. Feast on something delicious and feel good about it. One slice of pie is upwards of 300 calories. That's on the low end. Most Built Bars are only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with plenty of protein. So replace that coconut cream pie with coconut Built Bar. Or go for a raspberry built bar instead of a raspberry pie. Lots of good flavors to replace any pie. Low calorie, low carb, low fat, high protein, covered in 100% real chocolate. Built bars are a great option for when you're hungry. If Thanksgiving is not coming soon enough, go get a built bar or two. Share with your family at family gatherings to make things less awkward. Maybe Aunt Betty hasn't tried a built bar yet. New surprises all month long. Limited time only flavors arriving at BuiltBar.com regularly, so go check back on the website often. There's nothing like a Built Bar on Black Friday, so mark your calendars because Black Friday will have a huge event circling around Built Bars with all sorts of surprises. Right now, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use code LOCKED15. LOCKED15 will get you 15% off your next order. 15% off of your next order of Built Bars with the code LOCK15. How special is that at BuiltBar.com? Every order from now on with LOCK15 gets you 15% off of your next order. BuiltBar.com, use our promo code. 
We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning. We're here for you every single day. And for your second listen, go check out Lockdown Fantasy Basketball. Host Josh Lloyd has you covered on everything you need to know about fantasy hoops. That way you can win your league this year. Now, I do want to talk about Lou Dort because it's a little concerning. He goes one of seven from three tonight. He's shooting 29% from three so far this year. 13 points, seven rebounds. Now, he was really good last year from three, considering um, considering the player Ludort is and what you're hoping for him you know, for his career. As an elite defender, on that end of the floor, an elite player on that end of the floor, if he's going to give you 34% or right around that number, right around that mark, for the rest of his career, you're gladly going to take that because he's a good free throw shooter, so you cannot take him off the floor by hacking him. If he, and if he can be respectable from three, that's that's great along with his elite ability. And last year, 34% from three, a little deceiving because there was a big chunk of the year and huge chunks out of the season where he was asked to do do things offensively that you're never going to see him get put in that position again, right? Missing SGA, missing George Hill, shutting down Al Horford, all those things that made it a very bad offense already, even worse, and led to Lou Dort being a creator offensively. And it led to some fun games like the 40-point game in Utah and things like that. But it also led to some missed threes that he had no business taking. Whereas last year in the corner from three, he was awesome. More of his speed, right? Whenever this team's fully flushed out, you're not going to see SGA take threes off the dribble very often. You're going to see it more as a spot up shooter in the corner at the break threes. You're not going to see those deep threes off the dribble and trying to create for himself. So last year's three-point mark should have given you a ton of optimism. A ton of optimism. And then in the preseason has that good game against the Bucks from distance. But now, this season, he's been awful. He's been awful from three. And he just needs to get back to league average. Now, the thing is, three-point shooting is down league-wide. There's the new ball. There's just a dilemma playing with, with shooting in general in the NBA. So, like, it's not just Lou Dort who's suffering from beyond the arc this year. Eventually, you'd imagine all these percentages are going to level out and kind of get back to their norm. But for now, it is a bit concerning for a guy like Lou Dort who doesn't have that proven reputation. Like Damian Lillard is, is not shooting the ball well this year. But I trust that Lillard are gonna, is going to come out of this eventually. Like Dame is eventually going to go back to being Dame. The problem with a guy like Lou Dort, and it's nothing that that of his fault other than that he's just a young player, we have a sample size of him being a bad three-point shooter and a sample size of him being a good three-point shooter that's the same amount right? It's just glass half full or half empty. How do you want to view Lou Dort? Whereas with Dame, there's no debate. You know how to view him. He's a good three-point shooter. So he's struggling now, but eventually he's going to figure it out. We still don't know. The jury's still out on what which side of Lou Dort is the real thing. Which angel on his shoulders, the real one, is the good one, right? Is he a bad three-point shooter or a good three-point shooter? We don't know yet. And so it is concerning, though. Uh, what's happening right now with Ludworth's shooting. Uh, huge shout-out as well to Jeremiah Rumps Earl. Got to start, 13 points, four rebounds, and assists. 
uh, two blocks, only one turnover and one foul. Again, had trouble with fouls in the preseason, had trouble with turnovers this entire year, really, but only one tonight was really good. Three of five from three, 60% from three, 55% from four. Eventually, defenses will start respecting him from beyond the arc. And at that point, two things are going to be fun. Number one, it's just the space that that provides whenever teams start respecting him more and playing him actually at that at the three-point line. But also, it'll add another wrinkle to Jerry's game that we can watch for. It, can he continue to make these shots whenever NBA defenses are swarming him and closing out on him and defending him? So we don't really know that part of it yet, but we do know he can make you pay if he's left open which in itself kind of provides spacing as well. So you like what you saw from Jerry so far uh, this season. And as I've told you since draft night, he makes Isaiah Roby redundant because he can do everything that Roby can do while being a slightly better defender and a better three-point shooter. I like Isaiah Roby. I was one of the only ones last preseason telling you, hey, this guy is still going to be good, even though he had a bad preseason. He's a good basketball player. I like Roby. But it's just, it's just a, a roster that already has an Isaiah Roby, and it's a slightly better version of Roby in JRE. And Roby played very well for the Blue on Sunday. And credit to Roby for doing that, right? Like, it's got to be some sort of, you know, whether, you know, he, he says it or not, or even feels it or not, it's going to be some sort of ego boost, you know, ego bummer, or whatever you want to call it, ego deflator, whenever you go from playing bulk minutes last season and doing well, in, in those bulk minutes unexpectedly and changing positions, I might add, in those bulk minutes playing that small ball five position last year to this year, you're jerked around the rotation. You're starting one night. You're off the bench the other night. You're not playing the other night. And then now you're in the G League, right? So so for your first G League game to have the correct mindset, the correct preparation and play that well was impressive. Again, he's a better player than most of those guys on the G League floor, if not all those guys on the G League floor. But it goes back to the mindset and preparation of not having a night where you're just kind of throwing a pity party for yourself and you're just checked out of that game and then you get back to it later on once you've kind of settled in. To go out of the gate in the correct way is great for Roby in terms of his professionalism and what kind of person and player he will be long-term. And he does have a significant NBA future as a role player in this league. But the draft pick of Jerry makes him a bit redundant, as I've said, for the last four or five months, however long it's been uh, since the draft. And Josh Giddy was fun to watch again tonight. Uh, was not efficient as a score. Again, a, a theme that I've been telling you this for a long time. He's going to compile stats, the four assists, the seven rebounds, uh, the seven points. And it's going to be pretty inefficient a lot of the times, but he's also had nights where he was efficient so far this year. So he's just kind of trying to find his NBA footing. But he had some incredible passes on those four assists. Number one the, with a bullet was the 51-second uh, pass to Lou Dort to ice the game on an open dunk. Uh, he manipulates the defense with his, with his ball handling and his eyes and his vision and gets the defenders away from a cutting Lou Dort, dumps it off to Dort with a just a fling pass down to the low block and Dort dunks it, and that's your ball game. Uh, the lob pass to Baisley out of a timeout to start the scoring for the Thunder in the first quarter was fun. And then a nice cross-court whip pass to Lou Dort, which actually benefits both Josh Giddy and Lou Dort. Uh, the whip pass to Lou Dort was fun, but Dort takes it from the three-point line and drives it in and finishes with a, re with a reverse layup. Another area for Lou Dort where he needs to improve on offensively is converting at the rim. And so it was nice to see him have a tough finish at the rim on that pass. But again, four assists, seven rebounds, seven points was nice for the rookie. And then the last talking point today was Tail Maldon. Much like Lou Dort's three-point shooting, it, it's a point now where Tail Maldon is just we are nine, 10 games in here and he looks awful. He's been, I think the worst player in the NBA. I, I think that if you go look through basketballreference.com 
you'll find that that's not hyperbole. That's not me trying to be rude to Tam Allen. He's been, statistically speaking, the worst player in the NBA. Uh, he's been awful. He looks like a totally different player than he was last year. Tonight, he goes 0 for 5 from the floor, 0 for, 3 from, 0 for 4 from 3, and 1 assist in 7 minutes. That's his entire stat sheet. Uh, and, and he's been getting uh, further and furtherly pushed down that rotation from Mark's perspective. And it's just weird. It's like we're in the upside down. It's just confusing. Because last year, as a rookie, he led the team in minutes, and he looked like a forget-about player. And I mean that in the you know in a truly awesome way. A forgettable player in this sense is somebody who you know what you're going to get. Steady Eddie. You know, I, I know I can forget about Tim Meldon because whenever I, whenever, whenever I see him in the game, he's going to make the right basketball decision. He's going to knock down some shots. He's going to get his teammates going. He's going to be a nice quality point guard to level out the offense and help you out. And it's why last year I put the ceiling on him as a sixth man of the year, you know, a, a sixth man that allows you to have no drop-off from your first unit to your second unit, which we know in, in Thunderland is a hot commodity and something that's not, that should not be taken for granted, something that's incredibly valuable. Whenever you actually do build a contending team, to be able to go from your first unit to second unit without a huge, gigantic drop-off offensively is huge. So I thought he was going to be a forget-about player where – you plug him in and you're happy. You know what to expect. That's been the furthest thing from the truth. And he was not overly impressive in the summer league even. He had some flashes because of his overhauled body where he did play well. Also had some games where he didn't play well. So this has been a big trend in this next year two for Tim Allen. And it could be a simple case of a player who played way too much his rookie year, hit that rookie wall at the end of the year, you're going to take a step back in year two, and then year three makes that leap, right? Year three makes that step forward as NBA career and gets back on track. It could just be that's the kind of year we're in for Tim Albon. But in my opinion, you, know, you, you shouldn't keep you know ramming your head against the wall over and over again. Just send him to the G League and, and see what's going on and see if you can start to build that confidence back because that'll be a good indicator. If you send him to the G League and he still is struggling and he still looks lost and he still is just a dreadful defensive player and a bad offensive player and just doesn't have it. Maybe this is going to be a lost season for Tim Allen. You try again next year. And not that you shut him down or not that you don't play him anymore, but just kind of seeing if you can salvage anything from him. And I think that he's a good player. I think that he can, I think if he's into the G league, he can dominate for a stretch of time. And if he, and if you let him go cook and let him dominate for two, three weeks, it can do him wonders as it did for Poku last year to go to the bubble and play really well. And the second half of the season, after the bubble, Poku was a different player because he just simply gained confidence and kind of gained a better understanding of the NBA. And I think that Tim Allen understands basketball and has a huge, uh, has a vast knowledge of the game of basketball. I think it's just kind of a slow start for him. And as a young player, not getting many minutes, he's not going to be able to break out that slow start without minutes and without trial and error. And it's best, in my opinion, to get that in the G League. So I would not be surprised if we see him with the blue uh, pretty soon. But the bet of the day today was Oklahoma City plus three and a half. The money ball pick was SGA. I won the bet of the day. I lost the money ball pick because Mike Muscala and JRE had three three-pointers apiece. The MVP of this game is Mike Muscala. He was the only reason the Thunder won this game. So coming up, tomorrow's show will be a mailback episode. So if you have any questions, you can either tweet them at me at Ryland underscore Styles or... Email them, lothunderpod 
at gmail.com. The Thunder play the Pelicans on Wednesday and then the Kings on Friday and then the Nets on Sunday. So that's your week ahead for the Oklahoma City Thunder. And again, tomorrow's mailbag will be a ton of fun. So send in your questions uh, throughout the next few hours. We'll record the show and release it on Tuesday of the mailbag. We'll also talk with at Mavs Draft on Twitter at Richard Stamen, who will get us prepped for the beginning of the college hoop season. The championship classic between Duke and Kentucky and Kansas and Michigan State will feature a ton of NBA draft prospects and the college season is officially underway, which of course means a lot here in Oklahoma City. So we'll get you primed for that as well. Until tomorrow, follow me on Twitter at Rell underscore Styles. Uh, go listen to all the fancy basketball and be good and be good to one another.